Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, this is John Katsimatidis with number one show at 5 o'clock. Anything that's worth hearing, you're going to hear it here. Uh, in the studio with us, we got uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, we have Congressman Peter King, and we hear, we hear the, that Governor Pataki is going to stop in too. So uh, we have a real good show for you today. And I think George Pataki is the most underrated governor we have. He, he was one of the best. Governor, never got the credit he deserves. Well, he gets the best. credit here. We love it. By the way, I want to tell everybody, I was in the Pulaski Day Parade yesterday. It's Polish Heritage Month, October. The president of Poland was there. And I think, I would say 99% what of the crowd. was it on? It was on Fifth Avenue. It took over. On White and avenue, red flags. Fifth but, Avenue. But I wanted to reinforce your point, John. I think 99% of the crowd, and there were tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people lining the street. Everyone said they listen to the show every day. We have a huge Polish audience, Polish audience, Polish-American audience. And you, speaking of which, made tons of news this weekend with the Bill Clinton interview. Everyone's quoting it, John. We had a uh, Bill Clinton uh, interview. We took a whole hour, and I think the president got everything off his chest. And uh, it was, he's a real common sense guy. It was a terrific interview. He was a common interview. sense guy 30 years ago, and he's still a common sense guy today. And he led the charge, John. Your interview was terrific with him. It was absolutely terrific. He talked about how the Democrats need to look at closing the border. They need to do a little more. Um, and he, I think he led the pack, Judge Weinberg, because Governor cover, Hochul. He gave cover to Governor Hochul and to Mayor Adams to say, say, close the border. That's what he did. They didn't say it before then. They said it after. The problem with what President Clinton said, which I disagree with, is I would not give working permits to illegal migrants because then you're legitimizing them. Right. You're inviting them to come in and you're giving them the right to vote. Yeah, they're, so for they're all sort of reasons, talking out of both right, sides. Uh, so the Democrats actually getting and what they want. Coming to the studio now, the former governor of the state of New York. Governor George Pataki. Very, How are you, a governor? very well-dressed governor, too, by the way. It's great well, to thank see you. you. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you, John. Always good being on. Thank you. Yeah, we're talking about the migrant issue. Did you and, see? And, by the way, may, may I wish my wife, uh, who's probably listening. Oh, yes, you uh, better. Happy anniversary today, 35 years today. Wow. Bravo, bravo yeah. to John and Margot. Congratulations. The dynamic duo. And uh, I'll be taking her out to dinner. And uh, Very nice. Very nice. Now, so many things happened today with uh, with uh, President Trump, you know, and it's very, very sad that they're dragging a former president through this, whether he's a Democrat or whether a Republican. I think it's very, very sad. I mean, you have uh, a statute like this, which is so it's nebulous. Bad, it's, it's a uh, bad statute. You know, there's no victim. There's no victim whatsoever. And to be putting him and no this, injury. Yeah. And no explain injury. to everybody. It's the business trial. It's the it's business a, fraud case right. where the judge already made a summary judgment and decided that he inflated his value on real estate properties. John, you were saying like everybody does that. Also, I mean, it's also, crazy. Everybody made a profit. There's no victim here. Right. No nobody's victim. claimed even victimhood. And Trump was furious. You could see on the way out when he was leaving court today saying this is selective 
prosecution, uh, selective persecution, too. Um, and joining us now, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, of course, the great Harvard law professor emeritus. And, of course, also, he has the great new book called Get Trump. Professor Dershowitz, your reaction to what we were just saying with Congressman King and Judge Weinberg. Right. We also have uh, the great Governor Pataki here in studio joining me. And, John, your thoughts? He is a great governor, and uh, I want to make a deal with John. I want the two of us to invest a little bit together and to buy Mar-a-Lago for $17 million and then <laughs> sell it for seven or $800 million. Also, we should offer to buy the judge's house uh, at what it's assessed at for tax purposes and make him an offer and have him sell the house to us for what it's assessed at. I mean, this is so absurd. You have the judge making a judgment. You have Trump making a different judgment, and somebody has to decide who's right between them. Who gets to decide that? Why is this this happening? Why is this happening? First of all, there should be trial by jury for these kinds of cases. Second of all, these trials should be on television. Whether Trump wants it on television, whether the prosecution wants it, we, the American public, have the right to sit in judgment on this judge to see whether he's biased and on Letitia James, you know, my book is named Get Trump. That wasn't my original title. That's Letitia James's campaign pledge to get Trump and to have somebody run for office on the campaign promise to get somebody and then to selectively go after him. Imagine what would happen if every major real estate entrepreneur in New York were investigated for increasing the value of their properties above their assessed value in order to get loans from banks, which then do their own assessment, hiring people, the best accountants, the best assessors to make their own independent evaluation. And uh, I'm going to tell you my experience. Yeah. You know, I've been in a real estate business for 40, 50 years. You know what my experience is? When a bank hires their own appraiser, and you know what they do? They hire the appraiser that's going to give you an appraisal that's even lower than what it's really worth mm-hmm. because that's their own, the, the bank's own reserve. So uh, uh, if a building, because if they say, oh, yeah, we're going to lend you 50% of value. So they they get the appraiser to come down with a lower value so they can lend less and have a, big, a bigger uh, uh, spread. Alan, it's Richard Warmer. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. What, uh, what Arthur Angoran, who's a Supreme Court judge, did is he found him uh, liable under the executive law. Isn't that law itself very problematic where you don't have to have intent nor do you have to have injury? Isn't that? Of course. Of course. It's very problematic. You're taking property away from somebody without without intent. And then they're going after the lawyers. They went after the lawyers because the lawyers repeated a good argument, an argument that I would have made in court and I would have made it over and over again. Because you know what would happen? If a lawyer didn't make the argument the third time, the court would say he waived it. He waived it. So, of course, the lawyer is going to say, as I've said before, Your Honor, no, you can't have fraud without intent. You can't have fraud without a victim. I'm glad they made those arguments. But lawyers are now being threatened and being held sanctions. And uh, this Project 65 is going after every lawyer. They're going after me. They're going after everybody who's ever defended Donald Trump. And now this judge is going after lawyers as well. You, you know now, what I found on something even worse. As Shakespeare said, about four <laughs> o'clock, I think uh, Congressman King was in in the office. I get a phone call from this real estate guy, and the real estate guy says, "Oh, 
if they're going to put a uh, conservator or what's a the right ref- a referee, a referee uh, let's uh, let's go in there and bid on Trump's properties. Maybe we can steal them. I said I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know what? And who? And that's what they want. They want all his properties to be gone. You know what? I also found unseemly guys today. And and why Judge would Weinberg do business in New York. Right. Why would anybody want to do business on that standard? You're right, John. Because then it means everybody's fair game. The other thing is the judge today. This, to me, I found really distasteful as someone who's covered a lot of cases. I've never been a judge like you, Judge Weinberg. Um, but I saw Judge Arthur Engoron. Uh, Engoron. Okay, Engoron. The video, there was a brief period where they had cameras in the courtroom. And, and the video. judge and video, and video yeah. that's yes, exactly. And they were laughing. Pete, you and I were talking about this. The judge was sitting there laughing and smirking, mucking had, it up I've like, like lunch, Judge Ito. I've had lunch with, uh, with Arthur many times. And if you tell me he's smiling, I'm very surprised. Uh, <laughs> they took his glasses off and posed for the camera. Yeah, it felt like Judge Ito during the OJ yeah. trial, who couldn't wait to get enough on camera. And meanwhile, you're trying to chop off this guy's businesses and bringing in his by kids. The way, by the way, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Why make a determination what the sanctions going to be when you have six other counts of alleged fraud? Why don't you just keep everything in place, stay until you have the outcome of this case, so you look at the totality of the circumstances before you impose a sanction? Uh, Governor uh, Professor, let me just say, I think it's worse than this. You know, you have the, this case against Trump, which is a travesty. And yes, I'd go in too to buy Mar-a-Lago for that price. But what we see is just a complete politicization of the justice system in this state and in this country, where it, it's not whether you did right or wrong, it's what your political philosophy is. And to me, this is the most troubling aspect. This is just the tip of the spear. But the spear is really damaging people's faith that we have a fair system of justice, and that is a catastrophe for this country. Agree 100%. Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, Professor Dershowitz? Are you there? I think we lost Professor Dershowitz. There was nothing else to say after that great statement. I, made a, I, made, I got him speechless, <laughs> which is hard to do. With. But, you know, your point's a great one, Governor Pataki, because you're right. It feels so distasteful. It's it's what the lawfare phrase. Oh, we have Professor Dershowitz back. Did you hear uh, what Governor Pataki said? I, I, and he's right. And, you know, the Torah says, going back how many thousands of years, judges must not recognize faces, must not do justice based on who the person is. And if anybody doesn't believe that this is a persecution of Donald Trump for who he is, that they would never have gone after him if he weren't running for re-election. They would never have gone after him if he hadn't challenged the past election. Look, I'm not a Trump voter. I just want justice for everybody, Republicans and Democrats alike. So um, I don't think we're getting it in New York now. Yeah, you know, before you go, Professor Dershowitz, I want to talk Mm -hmm. with you about the 14th Amendment issue. There was a... Alan, there was a, a case that the Supreme Court refused to yeah. uh, take right. jurisdiction and, and on throwing it out on the standing issue. And, and just explain to everybody, will... um, Professor Dershowitz, just so people understand what it is. It's basically uh, they were trying to throw Trump off the ballot in certain states, okay. saying that uh, because yeah. of January 6th and other reasons. It's the, most, it's the most undemocratic thing imaginable, not allowing the American people to decide who the next president is, but instead leaving it to a couple of secretaries of state in a purple states, and they could determine the outcome of the election. The American public wouldn't stand for it. And that's why the courts are now starting to take action. I think the Supreme Court sent a message. We're not going to get involved in this kind of stuff. We're not going to take him off the ballot. Let him run. If he's going to lose, let him lose fairly and squarely. And, uh, you know, as a liberal Democrat, I hope he does. But I don't want to see him cheated out of the presidency, and I don't want to see the American public 
cheated out of running who deciding who who to run so keep up your great work i gotta go but uh thank you it's an honor to be on with all of you professor we love you thank you very uh, much let's take a break right now we're going to come back with governor pataki today is his 25th year that he signed into uh uh Law. law the charter schools and our our school system is not doing well and we'll talk about it let's take it let's take a break Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And uh, in the studio with us is Governor Pataki and uh, our education system. I think we're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Governor, tell us about the, it's the 25th anniversary since you put into law the charter school system. Talk to us about it. Well, John, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really proud of this because when you go in the public office, you do it with the idea that you want to make people's lives better. And now we have hundreds of thousands of kids in this city and hundreds of thousands of kids across the state attending charter schools that are public schools, but they're not subject to the rules of the broader public system. And they are succeeding. They are doing very well with <clears throat> largely minority and low-income kids and it was a very difficult bill to pass. Nobody wanted it. The Democrats didn't want it because the teachers union were opposed. The Republicans didn't want it because the suburban school districts, school boards were opposed because they afraid were afraid they'd take kids from their schools. Uh, despite all that opposition, I got it passed. It's now law, and it's working for the future kids of New York. Yeah, and it's a role model, really, uh, even just for the country, too, when so many people talk about charter schools. Yeah, we made sure it was a very strong law. You know, a lot of uh, politicians just say, oh, I passed the charter school bill, but they allow the teachers union to run it and the system to control it. We had a lot of battles over the specifics of the law uh, because I insisted that it be able to operate independently and try different things. And it's it is a model. It's a very good law. Uh, and I just hope that the, the politicians in New York now allow the number of schools to expand because so many parents want their kids to have this chance. Yeah, they want the choice. Hey, can I ask you, I want to ask you a question about a, a former school principal and school teacher, yeah. Jamal Bowman. How do you like that transition? Oh, God. It's called Alarmgate. This is the guy. It's a New York congressman <laughs> who pulled the alarm. You see it on the video. Yeah. And now he's saying, Oh, I didn't know uh, your thoughts. Read, read it. <laughs> It's not a scandal. It's a crime. I mean, he he quite clearly deliberately pulled the fire alarm to prevent Congress from being in session to vote to prevent a, a government shutdown. Uh, and that is a crime. He disrupted an official government ac- action. You look at what happened to the people on January 6th, the people from the Midwest who just believed Trump and didn't engage in any violence. They're going away for years in, years in jail. Bowman should be prosecuted, convicted of a crime, and sentenced to jail. What are your thoughts, uh, Judge? I I'm, see you I'm with, smiling. It's I'm shocking. With the, I'm with the governor. I think they should. And we'll ask Congressman King was here, too. I'd throw him out of the House. Peter? I'd throw him out of the House at the minimum, and I'd certainly send him to the U.S. Attorney's Office for prosecution, because it is a crime. It's obstruction of the governmental administration of the United States Congress. It, so why why not prosecute him? Because there's a double standard? Yeah, yeah, you know, to me, it's... Crime in many ways. First of all, it's always wrong to pull a fire alarm. It's a felony to pull a fire alarm. But especially here when you're talking about Congress meeting to keep the government from shutting down, this is definitely obstruction of government work. And, uh, again, he is a loudmouth. He's always sounding off. So now he's hoisted his own petard here. Yeah, but, uh, he's the first I, one I, to say no I one's above the law. He should go to jail. Yeah, and John, I mean, he, if those people from January 6th are going to jail. Yeah. So, so should he. 
And this is, yes. this is, we were talking earlier with Dershowitz about two systems of justice. This is a test as to whether or not a Democrat who has committed a felony to prevent Congress from functioning is going to be treated appropriately or not. In the oh. District of Columbia? You hope the prosecutors, federal prosecutors, right. yeah, but the standard. I agree with case. you. The standard. It has to be fair, equal justice, one hundred percent. Right now, we have a problem with equal justice. Yeah, we sure do, sure do. Uh, and by the way, joining us now, John, too, we have KT McFarland, who's joining us now uh, to talk about some stunning details on the international front. Former Deputy National Security Advisor and KT, um, as we're talking about justice. Um, this was a stunner. It just came out recently that this Iranian official admitted to Iran's role in the terror bombing that killed 241 U.S. military members. We're talking, of course, uh, about the barracks in Beirut uh, that happened in the 1980s. And now we have an Iranian official on record saying they did it. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, the significant, let me give you a little background to it. I was in the Pentagon and the Reagan administration in the 1980s. And there had been a series of terrorist incidents. Americans were taken hostage. One American, a good friend of mine, a man who had worked for me, Marine Colonel Rich Higgins, was tortured and killed. And in the middle of all this, the United States had a Marine peacekeeping force in, in the middle of the Civil War in Lebanon. And they were supposed to be hands-off of those guys. They were the peacekeepers. And there was a suicide, probably the first suicide bomber in a truck, came up to the, um, um, the Marine barracks, blew the place up, and as you pointed out, 241 Americans died. <clears throat> and at the time, we thought, well, you know, there's a lot of terrorism in the Middle East. We're not sure where it's coming from. We're not sure who's funding it. It's in Lebanon. It's in Palestine, in the Palestinian territories. But we kind of went past it, and, and we never really got to the bottom of who was behind it. So the significance of this is that Iran is saying that they have been death to America behind killing Americans, hostage-taking of Americans from the very beginning of the Iranian regime. And this is, an, this is now a regime that the Biden administration is tripping all over itself to throw favors to and to try to cozy up to. Hey, wow. Chief. Hey, Chief. Uh, it's Richard Warnberg. I'm very troubled by this. You give them $6 billion. What do you think they're going to do with this money? Spend it uh, for fortune cookies? Well, the Biden administration says, oh, it's all for, for humanitarian purposes, you know, food for children, medicine for pregnant women. But the Iranian officials have come out and said, no, we're going to spend it on whatever we want to spend it on. So you know what they're going to spend it on? Their nuclear weapons program and the kind of activities that they've revealed that they've done. You know, they're going to do terrorism again. And we are so there's a reason you don't pay ransom for hostages. As hard as that sounds, you always want to get Americans home. But the minute you do it, what does Iran do? They'll take more. They'll take more hostages. And you've just put a price on an American hostage, right? It's one point two billion dollars. It's a terrific revenue raiser for them. And within a couple of days of the administration saying we're going to pay ransom for these American hostages, what did Iran do? It went and grabbed a. Uh, a European diplomat. So, again, this is it, it, Iran is at the very, very heart of most of the problems in the Middle East. And it is defies logic that the Biden administration has this continuing love affair with a country that shouts death to America.
And uh, Governor uh, Pataki? Yeah, KT, uh, is, Iran st- is the Biden administration still trying to reach an agreement with Iran where they would lift the sanctions in exchange for holding off on the nuclear program, which I now understand is within two weeks of being able to produce a bomb? Yes. Uh, the Biden administration and the Obama administration before it, and these are the same people who were involved in this, they, they think they're going to get some Iran nuclear deal and Iran is going to stop its nuclear program. But if you look at the fine print of the Iran nuclear deal, it says Iran can get nuclear weapons. It's just on a certain timeline. So the Biden administration is pushing for this. Meanwhile, we've now got one of the chief negotiators with the, the Iran nuclear deal, again, from the Biden administration, Obama administration as well, who's now had his security clearances revoked. He's thought to be somebody who is passing papers to the Iranian government. Yeah. Katie McFarland, thank you so much for joining us, former Deputy National Security Advisor on such an important topic. We love you, Katie. Thank you. Pleasure. So much. And now joining us is Congressman Nick Lolota, of course, Republican of New York. And uh, Congressman, we love having you on the show. Uh, you know, first, I have so many things I want to ask you, but I want to kind of get back to the Jamal Bowman, uh, all this stuff. What are your thoughts on Jamal Bowman? And also, uh, what do you think is going to happen with all the Kevin McCarthy stuff with the future of Kevin McCarthy? Well, well very good to be on with you again. Uh, and good afternoon to you and your audience. Uh, the Jabal Bowman thing, uh, on some level should be laughed at and on some level should be taken very seriously. And I was in the House floor on Saturday, uh, trying to both keep the government open, but while at the same time creating a process where we can cut more federal spending to put our country on a better financial track. And we saw Saturday the Democrat Party here in Washington, D.C., supposedly the party that has the mantle on good government and democracy try to prevent the very democracy they, they, they claim to be protecting. They formed a conga line to try to stall the vote. They even tried to push a motion to vacate. And one of its members, Jamal Bowman, pulled the fire alarm, which in anybody else's mind is another stall tactic. And there's video of it. How, how many gonna, people were involved <coughs> in the conga with, line? With, with which? The conga line. Uh, oh, at least, at least 150. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they line up to do that. Involved. Yeah. Yeah, they, they manipulated the rules. The rule in the House is if the time to vote has expired, but you're in the well, you're, you're steps away from the dais. If you're if you're in the well, they keep the vote open in order to facilitate your vote. They manipulated and took advantage of that rule and formed this. They, they waited. They kept all their members outside the floor until the 15 minutes had expired. And then one by one by one stretched it out another hour by forming this conga line and manipulating that rule. So, so the very who, who was conning who? Uh, well, uh, the, the, the Democrat Party here in the House, apparently orchestrated by their leadership, was trying to stretch and delay, delay their ability for us to keep the government open while at the same time cutting spending. It's, uh, it so, did, it was, so you're saying the Democratic Party wanted to shut the place down and shut down uh, the government? Well, they certainly wanted to block our legislation. You know, at the last minute, we found a, an opportunity to accomplish our goal of keeping the government open while doing our work in the appropriations process. And their motion to vacate their conga line and pulling the fire alarm were certainly antithetical to us passing that bill. Hey, Nick, this is Pete King. Uh, first of all, you know, thanks for the great work you're doing. You really are terrific on this. What's going to happen with Matt Gates and this uh, motion to vacate? And thanks for all the Long Island Republicans, really New York Republicans, 
Mark Monaro, Mike Lawler, you know, the job that they're doing on this. Yeah, Pete, uh, you know, you, you left us some big shoes to fill here. Hopefully we're doing half as good of a job as you did while we're here. You are. Uh, if, if we're doing half as good of a job, we're doing okay. Um, as you know, Pete, I'm sure we agree on this. Speaker McCarthy is absolutely the best person for the job, given the realities of the dynamic of Washington, D.C. Voters sent Republicans to control the House, Democrats for the Senate, and Democrat in the White House. That's the dynamic under which we're working. And despite only having one half of one chamber, we're knocking out some strong conservative wins. We've passed legislation on the border. We're doing things to cut federal spending where we can. We're, held, we're holding the administration accountable, all while only having one half of one branch of government. And yet some don't know how to compromise. They always want it their way or no way. And there's been a few agitators along the way who have tried to put roadblocks. But, but this guy that pulled, that pulled I, I hope you guys expel him. I mean, uh, look what happened to the guys from January 6th. They went to jail for two years, four years, three years, and they didn't do anything. This oh, guy it, intentionally it's did it. Yeah, and he's talking about uh, Jamal Bowman with the yeah. alarm. Oh, I understand. It's, it, it's likely uh, that uh, Mr. Bowman uh, committed the crime that uh, the January 6th protesters are being tried under. And, uh, and I think that is a very serious thing and should be taken very seriously. And, uh, and I hope that uh, there will be an investigation, there will be accountability, and I totally agree with you. You know, I, I want to ask you, you brought up border, by the way, too. Uh, what a mess the situation is. And have you heard that now? We've heard from a couple Democrats in the last, since John did this big interview with Bill Clinton, that really did kick it off, John, where they've been saying, well, we maybe control. it's, we yeah, need we need control. a little control. Maybe the border is a little too open, was the quote from Governor Hochul. Uh, is it too and, little, uh, too late? <laughs> and right, this morning, uh, uh, Kathy Wilde had the uh, a New York City partnership meeting, and there was over 200 CEOs there. And on the stage was Senator Schumer, was uh, Senator uh, Gildebrand, uh, Governor Hochul, and Mayor Adams. <laughs> And uh, at least three of those four said that uh, they called out for for uh, President uh, Biden to uh, do a better job on the borders. Maybe they were looking for uh, from uh, President Bill Clinton's leadership to say enough is enough. I bet they were. John, John, who didn't say close the border? We all said it. No, you said three of the four. I don't know. Let me think. Uh, Schumer said it. Uh, Adam said it. Hochul said it. I'm not sure Gildebrand said it. Yeah, you know, the two and a half years late, though. The fact yeah, is, this yeah. has been going on. Well, that's on. what but I obviously. said. Is it and too Schumer little, too Schumer late? Schumer has the ability to pass a law tomorrow. Yes. Uh, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do something. So, uh, Congressman, what do you think? So, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Us uh, reasonable Republicans from New York have been saying for quite some time, of course, the president needs to get serious about securing the border. But here in our own state, with a, with a stroke of a pen or the, with a vote of the city council and the state legislature, New York State and New York City can repeal all of its sanctuary laws. The very things that are attracting the migrants from 2,500 miles away to New York are those sanctuary policies. They can quickly remove those sanctuary policies and by doing so remove a tremendous catalyst that is getting some of these migrants to New York. They should do it right away. Congressman, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. Let me let me tell you what I find very concerning. You have a Supreme Court judge, Staten Island, just ruled that there's no such thing as a right to shelter. 
There's no right to shelter, which was the cover to giving all these thousands and tens of thousands of people shelter at the expense of the city of New York. And Mayor Adams has the ability to let that stand as a decision that his corporation council is now looking to appeal that. That was a gift that was given to Mayor well, let's Adams. See, let's see what happens. You know, he hasn't done it yet, so let's see what happens. But we got to take a break. Let's take that break. And when we come back with... Uh, we come back with Rudy Giuliani talking about Trump and Hunter Biden and a lot and more. Rudy was the U.S. attorney in uh, New York City. Maybe he knows a little bit about what, what Trump is going through. Hey, Nick, thanks a lot. Thank you, Nick. Thank thanks, you, Nick. Guys. Good to be with you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. A lot more after the break, everybody. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And it sure looks uh, on Katz and Cosby like RFK Jr., who we had on the show a few days ago. John is going to hint at a third-party run, an independent run, and it looks like he's announcing it next Monday. That's what the hint is. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Gov, who do you think uh, Governor Pataki is going to take away from? Well, obviously, the Kennedys are the icons of the Democratic Party, but I think a lot of the young people see him as an anti-establishment uh, candidate anti-Washington, and some of that vote might come from Trump, but hopefully most of it, if he does run, would come from Biden. I, I think that uh, he's been a little bit abused by the Democratic Party. Uh, no Secret Service protection. Yeah, that is shocking. He's the first guy he was on the other day saying he's basically the first person who has not gotten Secret Service protection when he's asked for it, I Governor. can't believe the Biden administration Especially. is unfair towards an opponent. That is breaking news. Like, let, like gambling to, in Vegas. Let's right? go to Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He knows a little bit about this stuff. Yeah, he sure does. Hey, Rudy, uh, great to have you here. America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Rudy, we wanted to get your take. We have a whole bunch of stuff, but first your take on uh, on what's going to happen with Trump and the fact that here it is. Uh, would you ever imagine, you know, when you were there, you know, at the Southern District, would you ever imagine going after somebody, a real estate person, for saying that Mar-a-Lago is $18 million? I know. This is what the trial is about today. This is unbelievable. I think if I went after everyone who made an incorrect or false statement on a document, that didn't lead to a loss, I probably would have prosecuted everyone <laughs> in business. I mean, the reality is uh, fraud gets prosecuted when there's a loss, not if it's theoretical or it's, uh, the whole case makes no sense. But none of these cases make sense. I mean, think about them. The, uh, the, the other two, he's complaining about an election. Just the way everybody else has complained about an election. And he has no right to do that. Uh, he's got uh, documents that he's trying to figure out. Are they presidential? Aren't they? He keeps them at Mar-a-Lago. Meanwhile, the other guy put his documents in Chinatown. He put them with two institutes that the Chinese have access to. And then he put some of them uh, in the garage that a... Chinese spy passed by for 12 months. That was Hunter Biden. So somehow Biden took classified documents and put them in places that the Chinese had access to. And Mr. Trump Mayor, had them at Mar-a-Lago where nobody had access but to. But Mr. Mayor, even worse than that is 
Biden was holding documents from the time he was in the Senate and vice president oh, yeah. and has no cover under Presidential Records Act. No, actually, the Senate, he, he would have stolen them. Right. So uh, the point is, the only one of- who had any argument as a matter of law is Trump under the Presidential Records Act. Yeah, these are kind of like stupid things to prosecute people for. Uh, bribery, okay, we prosecute you for bribery. You know, we, we, but we don't, we don't prosecute for these record, these record things are things that you work out in negotiations, uh, civil proceedings. That makes, it's, it's crazy. It's obviously, it's quite obvious. They're all Democratic prosecutions. He's got four major trials next year, all in the year that he's running for president. Uh, every single one, a Democratic prosecutor, a Democratic judge. It's quite obvious that what they've done is they've kind of loaded him up so he can't run. I'll tell you another problem that I face in some of my cases. Every witness is going to take the Fifth Amendment so you can't defend yourself. So I want to defend myself with the Bar Association. I got my information from Mark Meadows. I got my information from Phil Waldron or Jenna Ellis. Every single one of them has to take the Fifth Amendment because they're on trial or they're subjects. Or, and I think that was done on purpose. It's going to be very hard for him to call witnesses. It is for me. Yeah, wow. Uh, Governor, anything? Uh, uh, Congressman? Yeah, I think Rudy said it all. This is clearly a malicious prosecution. It's whether it's civil or criminal. The fact is, it's a selective prosecution of a civil case, and it's there's, there's no victim. To me, if there's no, if, if you no victim, U.S. There's no harm, attorney, no foul. last question, because then we have to go to the next. Uh, if you U.S. attorney today, and this was going on, and you knew it was wrong, what will the what can a U.S. attorney do? Well, I keep thinking that the president should bring a civil rights case against the government. I think he should bring a 1983 case against Biden, the whole group of them, for everything starting with starting with Russian collusion, coming down to these cases. I kind of call it like each one is a separate chapter in the same book, Frame Trump. Yeah, because it seems like he can't, he's, he's, you know, he's like, can't do anything. Yeah, it's like the fix is in. I mean, that's it. It just feels so staged, John. I mean, that's the I issue. I think he has to get it in front of one court, going back to Hillary paying one point one million dollars for the phony Steele dossier. I mean, that's the beginning of this. Uh, how about uh, hiding hiding uh, the 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 hard drive? I mean, my God, that's incredible. Even Bill Barr, Bill Barr had that hard drive while the impeachment was going on. It offered a total defense, and I don't know, he's got it stuck in his drawer. What yes. the hell is that about? So many unanswered questions. Well, Rudy Giuliani, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so Thank much you. for being with us, Rudy. How you doing, George? We're fine, man. <laughs> he's doing I great. I like to be on with the governor. He's a great governor. You want to come back, governor? <laughs> Well, thank you. No, I'm I'm happy right here with John and Rita. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone asked me that, and I said I'm not sure I could really straighten it out now. They really have my, you know, when I was dealing with the homeless, it was like twenty twenty thousand. It's a hundred thousand. It is a mess. Well, and getting worse. Yeah. Well, we'd be lucky to have both 000. of you. We'd it's be ridiculous. lucky to have both of you guys back. 
Uh, Rudy, thank you. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Rudy. All right. Okay, let's go to Dr. Uh, Siegel. I understand that uh, that uh, drug or injection may not be all uh, that it's uh, pepped up to be. Uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, what's going on? Well, you're talking about Narcan, the antidote for opioids. It's an elaborate Band-Aid. When's the last time you saw somebody on the street actually shooting it up to someone's nose? There's no downside, but it's more of a political tool to come out and start gesturing as the mayor did, as the health commissioner did. I think we got to get to the heart of the problem. When mayor, By the way, when Mayor Giuliani was in, you noticed the streets were clean. Well, I, and there was there was gentrification going on. Now the streets are filthy. There's homeless coming. Really, migrants are now becoming homeless because the shelters are full. The diseases are going to start recurring. There's a lot more drug abuse going on. People that were shuttered during the pandemic came out of it. And, you know, there's fentanyl pouring in. I mean, it's just a, t- a horrendous situation. I have no problem with Narcan, but I don't think if, if I carry it or anyone else carries it, it's going to change the, the problem. And uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, it's Rita. It's great to have you on. I have another topic, too, I want to ask you about is um, Ozempic. Uh, this is, of course, it was the, you know, the diabetes drug, but all these celebrities and a whole bunch of people have been using it to lose weight. And now uh, the FDA is saying that it has um, some side effects if you try to get off it. It's like explain sort of the hazards of it because it's sort of a new fad with a lot of people. Well, uh, by the way, uh, it is a, it is celebrity driven health, which is you already nailed it as usual, Rita. That's the problem when a celebrity is based, celebrity is setting up the culture that leads for the for the big stampede. We have a problem with weight in this country. We have a problem with obesity. But John's going to appreciate this because he likes my sense of humor. Stuart Varney said to me this morning on the air, "You know, uh, you're telling people to eat less." And to eat less processed foods and to exercise more. That takes a long time, he said. This Ozempic takes right away. I said, yeah, but you know what? The pharmacies are all out of it. So you can lose weight running from pharmacy to pharmacy looking for it. <laughs> That's the best way to do it, right? The healthiest way. Now, now, now what's the sweetener you're, you were taking that you thought was safe? Yeah, so I use, John always calls me out on this. I use Stevia, but I use the all-natural Stevia. Wait, the governor is shaking. All right, here we go. John, you've got two I, I in the studio. Well. See, two great minds, of two great friends of yours and great minds. I use the uh, sweet leaf stevia, stevia because it's the all natural one. The other ones are chemical. So tell me, uh, so what you think? Is it okay so I can hold my head high next to John? I think it's fine, but I, I, I still think the overall issue is cutting down on carbs and eating smaller meals. And the fact that, you know, and John knows this, you can go to Greece or go to Italy and eat pasta here. You can't because of all the chemicals that are added. We need a war against the chemical additives to our food. I think that's I think that's a huge, huge part of the problem. And that's that's part of the solution. Um, I don't think think Stevie is a problem, by the way. Yeah, we, which pasta? Which which pasta has no additives? We need research. in this no, we country. Need, I think in this we country? need. I think we need to go to Italian restaurants and scout them out personally. Don't I better you think? take some Moldovia or Ozempic first. <laughs> John does that. By the way, the, the, just a quick comment on what the FDA is saying. There's no free lunch. I, I don't mean the pun in this case. We're talking weight loss, but they're just pointing out that one of the actions of Wagovia or Azembic is to slow digestion, and that could lead to 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 bowels backing up or even to blockages. It's possible. It's it's a side effect that's rare, but they're putting a warning on it now. 
you know, I think I think it's not for everyone, and it's really only for people that are that really can't lose weight any other way and are markedly overweight, obese, and have risks of other health complications. You don't need to give this to a skinny person. You don't need to give this to someone who's losing weight other ways. I'm not afraid of this drug. I think it helps you process I, insulin and glucose better, but it's not for everyone. I drink my coffee black. And, uh, you know, you know, you'll get used to it after a while. You know, you're not going to feel the difference. What do you think of? Can uh, we get used to it? Uh, no. no <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out I'm, with Governor Pataki. I'm, I'm going to use the stevia <laughs> and a little milk. <laughs> Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you for calling in. And uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. I'm drinking it black, too, now, by the way. I'm drinking it black, too. Show off. Show off. Thank you so much. Let's take thank that you. break. And we're going to come back with Bill O'Reilly. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, I just want to give another shout out uh, uh, today. Uh, one of our regulars here at the studio, Ed Cox, uh, is his birthday today. Happy birthday, Ed Cox. Happy. And also, by the way, another happy anniversary to you and Margot, too. It's Thank so you. great. Really Thank beautiful. You. And uh, now we have Bill O'Reilly. Yep, of course, mega best-selling author, has more than 19 million copies in print. He's going to have another 19 after this big bestseller that just came out a couple days ago, Killing the Witches. And, of course, you can listen to him every night here on WABC Radio, 9 to 10 p.m., Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. Um, and, Bill, I know you're really hot on this topic, especially of uh, the Jose Alba case. This is the bodega clerk who has sued the Manhattan DA. Uh, this is a wild story. Talk about your take on this. Well, everybody remember uh, back in June 22 when uh, Alba in the uh, northern part of Manhattan, a bodega owner, killed uh, a, a would-be robber. And uh, there was videotape of it. It was obviously self-defense, but Alvin Bragg, being Alvin Bragg, charged him with second-degree murder. Subsequently, the charges were dropped because the people of the city of New York were outraged. So Alba had to spend six days at Rikers Island because uh, he was charged with second-degree murder, which is one of the few offenses that allows bail in this state. And um, now, um, 15 months later, he's suing the city of New York, but he's not suing because of the actual conflict in his store he's suing because he says he's being discriminated against as a hispanic and i'm looking at this and i'm going you have a case but i don't think i would bring a bias case because this was obviously a politically driven case by alvin bragg now he filed in federal court not state court where it's easier to get a bias a jury uh, up and running. But who's ever representing Jose Alba, I don't think he's doing him any favors because I think this is going to get thrown out pretty quickly. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Bill. So we could, like, you believe you maybe on other you can't grounds. You sue a DA. How, well, no, who is he suing? Well, that's the other thing I wanted to he's ask. Suing is, the city of New York. Yeah, like how uh, do you... Because it employs uh, Alvin Bragg. You know, tomorrow... Well, it's the state that employs Alvin no, Bragg. the DA is a state official. Unfortunately, yeah. the DA is a state official. Yeah. Yes. So Alvin Bragg's paycheck is cut from Albany, New York State. OK, so then he'll be suing the state. Uh, interesting. You always learn something on the uh, Cosby and Cat show. Always. That's why I stick around here. I'm, I'm so, learning a lot. Tomorrow we're having a big deal on WABC on Hispanic Day. 
And um, I'm trying to rack my brains here to find out why you would interject um, this into an obvious malfeasance of justice. Um, and there's got to be other statutes that you can go after Bragg for this prosecution, which was ridiculous on every front. But that's what Alba and his attorney decided to do. I think it's a loser. Yeah, no, I, I agree. When I first heard it, Bill, I thought the same thing you did, that he was going to take the, the you know excessive prosecution, the politics of it, because clearly the guy was defending himself uh, behind the counter when the guy attacked him, and yet he's doing a different take. What what are your thoughts on um, on all the Trump stuff today, too, with Trump in court? Well, Trump got a big win today because the judge, who's now under pressure because of the ridiculous Ma'alago statements he made, uh, where he uh, was going back to an assessment of Ma'alago that's worth maybe 20% of what the real property uh, is valued at today. And, I mean, you can't do that. You know, this is a fraud deal based upon Donald Trump allegedly inflating the price of his real estate. And the judge doesn't know how much his real estate is worth and rules summary judgment. And the judge has no clue how much Mar-a-Lago is worth. Yeah, 18 million. I I mean, John's laughing like like, that's what a bargain that would be if it was 18 million. The judge knows now that he's in the kill zone. And so he throws out. Uh, all the charges against Trump after, I think it's 2014, uh, before 2014. So that lessens uh, the political case that the attorney general has brought against Trump, which is purely politics. I have my investigators. You know, we do a pretty thorough job of investigating these kinds of stories on uh, common sense and the no-spin news. We can't find any cases like this. Uh, Letitia James, I mean, maybe she's got some in her in her sheet, but I can't find any. Well, Governor Pataki was just talking earlier about it, just how it's so uh, it's such a, a using the justice system. Yeah, I mean, for, look, political for, means. for partisan benefit. And, and Bill, I, I agree with you. I've never heard of a case being brought, particularly when nobody lost anything. You know, well, it, it just. But, but here, Governor, here's, here's the worst part about it. Um, Letitia James is supposed to be representing and protecting me. I'm a citizen of New York. And everybody else in New York, what are we being protected against here? He, he got the loan. The banks don't have a beef. He paid the loan back. So what is she protecting me against? I don't, I'm not sure. It's because, uh, Bill, it's because the statute that she operated under where Angoran issued summary judgment was the executive law, and it doesn't require either specific intent or an injury, which uh, I was talking to Alan Dershowitz about earlier in the show. I said it's a bad statute. The statute itself should be thrown out. But but overall, the attorney general is supposed to be here to protect us. Am I absolutely. wrong? Absolutely. No, no, you're absolutely correct. That's, well, who's that's she responsible. Protecting? Yeah, who's the victim? Who's the victim in I, this I, case? I, I, None of the banks lost money. Maybe. Yeah, they never complained. The banks uh, didn't complain. The insurance companies complained. didn't complain. Joe Biden. Right, Joe Biden complained. Rita, do you feel protected? No, protecting, protecting Joe Biden. Yes, yeah, see, Joe Biden complained. The governor Bill, Bill solved it. What are you going to be talking about tonight? You're on between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com worldwide, 173 countries, and BillOReilly.com. What's, what's your hot beef tonight? There has to be a consumer revolt in this country um, because we're being ripped off by everybody now. Sorry with covid then inflation, and now I walk into a deli on Long Island the other day. I said, uh, I, I like some chicken with rice soup. Guess how much they cost? Guess how much? In a $9. Deli. <laughs> That's a bargain. $14. How much? 14 
Wow. I got to find out where Al Gamato's sandwich. I've been going to this deli for 20 years. I must have spent $5,000 in this deli. I look at the guy. I go, "What are you? What are you talking about? Fourteen dollars? You got a pearl at the bottom of that soup? <laughs> You're entitled to one free soup after all those years, Bill. I'm you not know, going Bill, there again. Talking as a uh, as a businessman, <laughs> I got to tell you something. You know, people complain about Cristini's prices and D'Agostino prices. If we don't, if we're not higher than we are today, we're not going to make it on that. But you're in this city. Yes. That's a everybody going to the city expects a little tariff because of the higher cost. Higher rents, higher electric We got to cover the migrants. That's a good point. Got to cover the migrants. Well, we have union workers and we have uh, guys in front of the stores. What are they? I can guarantee you I go into one of your stores, you're not charging me 14 bucks for chicken with rice soup. You'd get free. I think you'd get get something free. One free soup. Yeah, you'd get free. free. You would. Bill O'Reilly, I'll be listening to you tonight. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Okay, guys. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.